2: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio.
3: Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. This is John Massengill sitting in studio with Les Kaiser. How hey. are you, Les?
4: Oh, man, doing great, doing great.
3: And we're joined in studio by Tony Calderon. Hey, Tony, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. He's so a
4: famous producer.
3: He's a famous movie guy now. We're going to talk to Tony here in just a second, but I'm going to get you guys up to speed on what we're going to do on tonight's show. Jonathan Green is still down in New Zealand for the Toyota Racing Series, and he did an interview with the leaders down there. He's going to get us all caught up. We've got three Americans down there in the Toyota Racing Series this year. And he's got an interview with the leaders, Liam Lawson, and all that. So we're going to hear from Jonathan here in a little bit. But we're we're totally excited. We got a couple of guests on the show. So first guest we're going to have is Shay Holbrook, who's one of the finalists in the W Series now. So that's going to be awesome. And then we have uh, a famous last name, Colton Herta, Indy Car driver, rookie year. You you was I guess second in the Indy uh, Lights last year. And he's going to join us here in a little bit as well. So we got a full-packed show, and uh, and we're going to talk. There's a couple of 4 one stories that I want to touch on, too. But we're going to start out by talking to Tony because, what was it, Wednesday or Thursday, Tony?
5: Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, we had our big premiere. Yeah. So. And then uh, Thursday was when our movie went out on Netflix.
3: That's right. So it was Wednesday and Thursday. So, yeah, Wednesday, we all went to Tony's movie premiere called The Gentleman Driver. And then Thursday, it went out... To everybody in the united states on netflix sony that's amazing
0: uh,
5: Thank think everybody around the world actually netflix, oh. not just the us so. oh wow okay <laughs> awesome. i
4: have definitely seen it uh was looking on the IMSA facebook page and it's definitely getting traction there i'll tell you that
5: yeah no i know i mean honestly it's been uh an amazing reaction i mean i never i just i, I didn't know what to expect but I definitely didn't expect just so many people to watch it right away i mean i had people calling me there is a lunchtime, you know, when it had only been out for two or three hours on Netflix. I had already watched it that morning. You know, I don't know if they don't work or <laughs> what the deal yeah. is. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, and just every day I wake up and there's just messages from around the world, people that have watched it and Brazil and China and uh, Germany and, and just everywhere. It's wow. it's really cool.
3: Well, we uh, we helped Tony out just to help see the, the premiere a little bit. But the thing that struck me watching it in the theater in the final version, because you know we got gotten to see an earlier version of it was that it, it felt like a big time production, like a big studio had produced it. It was amazing production value or whatever you guys call that in the industry. I I'm, I still don't consider myself
5: the industry. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, no, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, it was uh, really hard work. Um, You know, that's all thanks to Valde Cartel, their local company here in Austin. They, they were the production company and they did an amazing job, you know, and it's, when you have the support of the racing community, like the, the WEC and ImSEN and European Lamas series, you know, we had all this amazing footage and all this access and all this stuff. And, you know, like I tell people, this is actually a very uh low budget production, but we had a fifty million dollar set. That's why I said. you
4: know, right? Basically, no kidding. So that, that makes it easier for sure. <laughs> wow. That always makes things look great. Well, but truthfully, I mean, I'm not just blowing smoke. If you are not familiar with uh, what goes on off the track around the business of racing is a great insight. I mean, you're in boardrooms, you're figuring out who these people are, and I and I love that part. Yeah, and that was you know, uh, I was like you know, the premise of the documentary is following four
5: guys that are very successful businessmen that just happen to race cars at the highest levels so of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, Daytona, and all these you know, it's just against professionals. So it's kind of a crazy concept that these guys can do this while running businesses like Patron. Ed Brown's one of the guys in the documentary. He's a CEO, was a CEO of Tequila Patron. Um, Yeah, and we wanted to make it for a mainstream audience. You know, I'm I'm sure the racing people, I know all of my racing friends have watched it and the racing community is small and we all support each other. So, So that was the easy part. The hard part was getting people that don't like racing or don't care about racing to watch it and like it. And that's what we try to do. You know, this is really more about entrepreneurship and just how these four really interesting successful guys uh, spend their time basically.
3: Yeah. It, it was fascinating to watch that. I noticed a little bit of traction. I mean, just glancing on Twitter and stuff like the financial times retweeted. Are yep. you guys getting some traction outside the, the racing industry like that?
5: Yeah. I mean, that, that was a really cool article. Um, they actually wrote an article the financial times and there's a bunch of um, big publications out there that are coming up with some stuff uh, next week. Um, uh, so yeah, that that was the goal. You know, um, we had people from the Entrepreneurs Organization with or the Premier, for example, that didn't know anything or cared about racing, but they they just like business and entrepreneurship and all that. So, you know, I really hope that more people like that get it. We've had messages on Instagram, I think, about somebody that teaches um, a class to. Um, kids in the inner cities and they said they wanted to show this movie to just show them you know like you can follow your dreams and you work hard you get to you know you can do whatever you want like things like that so i mean yeah. that, that's just been very inspiring and it was really cool
3: yeah because who was it uh, ricardo gonzalez had a story like that uh, i can't remember who it was it started from nothing
5: uh, yeah uh mike mike Guache uh, that's has right like yeah. that
4: and yeah it's why not you know you can yeah. do it they can they can do it anybody can I'm sure we'll talk about this all show, but folks, check it out. It's on Netflix. It was released Thursday, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I turned on Netflix just to see if I could find it and see how they were presenting it. <laughs> Immediately recommended viewing for me. Yeah, I know. That was amazing. <laughs> it was the first thing up, <laughs> and so I uh, loved it. They know me well. But uh, I think that's really cool that it's on Netflix, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean,
5: that, that was just the, the icing on the cake. I mean, we never expected Like I said, when we first started making this, I was, I just hoped that it, we would make something that didn't suck and that we could put up on <laughs> YouTube and people would watch it, you know. And now, three and a half years later, it's on Netflix. That was uh, it's just—it's. I still don't believe it.
3: How, can you talk a little bit about that process? That's fascinating. How how you get a movie onto Netflix?
5: Um, it was all um, we had. A I, I signed a deal with a distribution company called Kaleidoscope Entertainment out of the UK. Um, I started talking to them years ago when we first started this project and they just said, Well, just keep us updated, let us know how it's going. And when we finished it, we sent it to them and they said, Hey, you know, we we think we can do something with this. And I said, Yeah, just, you know, even if we can just get it on iTunes so people can watch it or something like that, you know, that's that's great. And they they said, No, 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 I think I think we can do something something else with it. Was that A- and I'm I assuming s-
3: that was after they'd seen it and after seen, they'd how seen good it. Yeah, the I think they saw the was. potential. Yeah.
5: And Originally they were trying to sell it to Amazon. I remember they said, you know, we have um, we've been talked with Amazon about some other stuff, so 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 they wanted to talk about it. And then I was like, Well, that, that's amazing, of course. And then they came back and said, like, well, bad news, Amazon didn't want it, but good news Netflix wants it. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. even better. Yeah. So um yeah, and it, I mean, I mean, I had, you know, this probably will never happen again. But it was in a way, but well, that part of it it was easy on my side because I just had to wait and just, you know, connect the connect with the right people and all that stuff um, the hard part was after when i when they said okay you want it on netflix then here's like the 57 things that need to happen for f- you know like basically like the deliverables for netflix w- it was just just a bunch of legal stuff uh, and, yeah. and the formats and everything they said "Yeah, we'll we'll put it up pop we'll put it up around the world but you need to give us subtitles in 27 different languages so then oh, wow. we had to go get that done There, you know so that was additional cost as well and all that stuff um, you know a lot of things that just me not knowing sure. how to do this yeah. you know like I said just a lot of legal stuff and insurances and um, obviously you gotta get all the footage rights for everything and, and get releases and all that stuff so I spent two or three months uh, thrashing to get all this stuff you know same we had to re-edit the movie for little things here and there the sound had to be remastered and the color had to be redone and all this stuff but at that point you know that's it was just it's a good problem
3: to have did was there any requirements i mean did they have any editorial type nope. requirements no no no, no they
4: said we wanted assist but there is really just more legal and technical hmm. with requirements. Yeah, folks it is absolutely a quality watch definitely uh take some time out uh, you know if you're not doing anything this afternoon between three and seven you can watch it a couple of <laughs> times <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people not doing anything during that time today
3: that's right if they're listening to us right now they are they're not watching the super bowl that yeah. is a tiny fraction yeah. of the united states right now so but everybody listens on itunes and everywhere else anyway so there you go yeah tony so what's the website i mean a gentleman driver movie if you google that you'll get there right yeah yeah, yeah.
5: general Dri- the the gentleman driver or just the gentleman driver movie on facebook instagram twitter just check us out or gentleman driver on netflix
3: and you know, of course, my favorite part was how much was filmed right here at Coda. Yeah. You know, it was, it, you know, obviously you guys went to, you went to Mexico, Mexico City. I'm not even going to try to say the circuit name. I can't do it. Y'all you know, went to uh, Abu Dhabi. What other circuits? Uh,
5: Bahrain, Bahrain. Bahrain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Bahrain, Silverstone, uh, Mexico City, and Coda. Those were the four tracks that we filmed at. And then we also filmed in San Francisco. Toronto and in uh, Tequila, Mexico, because we went to all the the businesses of the guys involved.
3: Yeah, Yeah, one of the most fascinating parts that I think will be to the people who don't love racing was just talking about the 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 way these guys' lives went through. But the money that these guys spend—what I think the stat on the screen was between one and five million a year to to do to run these teams—and and talking about how much time they have to put in you know, talking about they, they, they're they in the boardroom one minute or they're on their phone, on speakerphone in the boardroom, and then they're getting in the race car the next minute. And it's a fascinating, I mean, that's really the whole movie is about that. But that's what really I think will catch people's eye that that don't follow racing. And there's plenty of good footage for racing fans too. So,
5: Yeah, and, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to show. You know, sometimes the gentleman drivers get uh, a bad rep only because as people say, well, they're just rich and they just show up and it's easy if you have the money. But like what we show is like, well, it's not easy. I mean, you try to get within a, you know, especially the guys in the movie, they're very good drivers. Yeah. For gentlemen drivers. And, you know, they're they're lapping within a second of their professional teammates. And I don't care what anybody, that is not easy. I mean, I, I dare anybody to try to get within 10 seconds, you know. And uh, so, yeah, these guys are working really hard and, and then they got to show up and, you know, like uh, be fast on the track as well. So... It's really cool. How I mean, obviously, the, the fact that these guys are successful in business means that they have, you know, they they know how to manage their time and yeah. and they're very driven and very focused and that that they apply that to their racing lives and it shows obviously.
3: Well, I said this during the premiere, is that you know we were actually commentating one of those races you showed on. I think I, I actually heard Jonathan's voice on the PA system, but but I said to those guys is that we forget as commentators when we're you know calling the race. Is that they're that they're business guys because they are so fast at that level. I mean, I know there's yeah. gentlemen drivers down the you know, down the scales in different series, but those guys are amazing. Like you said, within a second of a professional driver, I think mean, anybody listening to this show, they know what that means. That's yeah, you know, unattainable for 999 percent of the population. And these guys having the resources and the commitment that they've shown to build their business and all that. But all right, guys, so we got to take a break, but when we come back. Our first guest, very excited to have Shay Holbrook in the W Series racing. All right, listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages.
2: Superlap Battle USA is coming to Circuit of the Americas this February. It's the ultimate Time Attack Challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully-tuned, track-built cars. February 16th and 17th brings Time Attack Racing to Dakota's 3.4-mile track. There'll be Lone Star Drift ride-alongs, rally-ready and Lone Star Drift demonstrations, World Challenge TC America open testing, a car meet, and more. Family-friendly fun and free to attend. February 16th and 17th at Circuit of the Americas. Superlapbattleusa.com
7: Talk 1370.
0: Hi, my name is Clint Davis, and you're listening to Speed City.
2: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio,
3: Speed City. Welcome back to the show. We're here in Austin, Texas, and we're very excited for our next guest. We've been following female race drivers. It's almost been... You know, young drivers has kind of been our mantra, but female drivers has been a close second for us, and we're so excited because our next guest is made the cut. She's now one of the final W Series, the new W Series qualifiers. Shay Holbrook, welcome to Speed City.
7: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Um, hey,
4: happy 2019, Shay. You've kicked off the year very well.
7: Yeah, it's been good so far. I can't complain. I'm very, very fortunate
4: so I wanted to start off and just give folks a uh, reintroduction for those that have uh, followed you here on Speed City, as well as just those, uh, your latest developments. So Shea started out competitive water yeah, skiing cool. and jumping,
7: yeah. not not just yeah, skiing it's,
4: around it's, balls in the water. She was jumping and then...
7: Well, uh, that feels, and it feels like it was like a whole lifetime ago, yeah. right? I mean, it really does. It feels like I've been so removed from um, a water skiing career now that I'm, uh, you know, you know, pursuing still a racing career, but I mean, it's good to be back on the show too, guys. I haven't seen you guys or been on the show yeah. in a while. And so it it, is. it's good to be, it's good to be back to, you know, get back to my roots a little bit. And, um, yeah, we've had a lot of things kind of evolve, um, over the past couple of years and, and certainly in the past few months, but, my background is um, I've always considered myself an athlete, um, and it's not a hardcore athlete. I grew up a nationally ranked competitive water skier. Um, it was a family hobby that turned into a um, you know, semi-career, semi um, for lack of better words. And then I did it at a young age um, and was able to earn some successes in water skiing at a young age. But uh, when I was 15, Ultimately, what what kind of transitioned me out of uh, water skiing was, you know, injuries. Um, I had some pretty severe injuries and uh, my knee, my back, I had a couple couple concussions. Um, And while I was taking a little bit of a forced upon break from water skiing, (laughs) I I fell into racing. And I know that's like a weird, you know, saying how do you fall into racing? (laughs) Um, And it makes me sound like, oh, God, you're lucky. It's like, no, no, no." (laughs) there's a story behind it, like everything. Um, but I did a NASCAR experience when I was 16. Um, I was just a passenger, a right seater at the Richard Petty experience at Daytona and went out there with one of my dad's Navy buddies who was racing SECA, and, um, had a really cool experience, like really fell in love with, uh, the, just, you know, it was really cool. Cause I hadn't been around, you know. I hadn't been around the sport of racing and I didn't understand that. Like I competed against girls for so long in my certain age division and at a particular age division. And I had no idea that like men and women competed against each other. I had no idea that there was anything outside of NASCAR racing. And so mm-hmm. there's a real like whole new world. Um, but I'm an adrenaline junkie. And, uh, so that fit really, you know, well into my like motivation path of wanting to excel and do something. And, you know, we started kind of for fun. Um, My mom, dad, and I did some high-performance stuff, and that turned into regional and national racing through, like, the FECA ladder and others, did some Skip Barber stuff, um, and just kind of kept going and wanted to excel at it. And I feel very lucky in the fact that because I was so naive – it was ne- there was like never a glass ceiling, you know. Yeah, Just, you didn't okay, know better. Well, yeah, I didn't know any better. Well, know? I
4: tell you what, what it, what I find so cool is it, she definitely is a, an adrenaline junkie. She's been in open wheel. She's been in some of the uh, coolest sports cars around. Been uh, she was recently racing the Lamborghinis. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're just kind of all over and ran the uh, Rocket Dragster, but you just <laughs> set a land speed record yeah. with a bicycle chasing you.
7: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, tell exactly. us about that. Yeah, that was a cool experience. So three years ago, I partnered with uh, Denise Mueller York-Karnak, and she is a champion um, uh, uh, bicycle racer. And in her earlier uh, years, too, she was a champion um, downhill uh, mountain biker. And, uh, she, her, her coach, um, throughout her entire career is a guy named John Howard. And John Howard was the 1985 paced bicycle land speed record. And what that means is the paced bicycle land speed record is a human powered record where you're drafting behind a vehicle to achieve speed at the time when, when he held it was, uh, 152 miles an hour. Well, in 19. In 1995, and this is all done at the Bonneville Salt Flats um, or really anywhere, anywhere where you can have up to, you know, at minimum six miles, seven miles of clear shot, no obstruction of anything flat surface. But as we all know, in the U.S., all of the land speed records, um, particularly cars (laughs) um, and motorcycles are all out at the Bonneville Salt Flats. And um, so John's record was broken by this guy named Fred Rompelberg, a Dutch guy, when he went 167 miles per hour pacing, drafting, (laughs) if you will, behind um, a dragster. Well, Denise and I attempted um, just over two years ago. Uh, We were unsuccessful in breaking the overall record. But because it was the first time ever that two chicks went out to go do this, (laughs) we set a women's record, which is cool. But not our not like our intent and the purpose of what we're doing. We want to go after the overall. And uh, this year, this past year, uh, this past October, September, September, September was <laughs> <losing> track. <laughs> this past September, uh, we became the Guinness Book of World Records holders for the paced bicycle and speed record, and we shattered the record at 184 miles per hour. Um, Absolutely shattered the record. So, um, quite the experience. Um, definitely the most stressful thing I've ever done um, uh, primarily because, you know, my task was, you know, Denise, Denise is the athlete and it's a complete, this record is completely about her like 110%. um, But my jobs and I say jobs because I had so many within the cockpit of that dragster um, that were all unbelievably critical. And if I wasn't precise and on point with every single one of those, you know, 15 jobs, um, you know, it's her life that's at risk. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a really, it was, I will remember it for the rest of my life. Um, you know, and it's, of course the record is, is what everybody will remember us for. Um, but my experience and journey through all that is and the people is really what I'll remember and take away from it.
3: I was just looking at some of the photos of how that works. That's incredible, man. That's that's amazing. Well, just
7: just like imagine a bicyclist going 184 (laughs) miles an hour. Okay, people. The next question is is always, well, how did she pedal that fast? And that's a really (laughs) good question. So there's a really big gear ratio. So if you're driving your manual, whatever, and you start out in like. Thirtieth gear, right? You're not. You're never going to get the car moving, and it's the same thing with the bike. So she has a really, really high gear, hence why she has to be towed and then detached from the back of the vehicle and then drafting because she can't start the bike pedaling from a stop. She mm-hmm. has to be something has to be in forward motion, momentum. That's why she's initially towed, then she releases, and then she's she was under her own power for from uh, for three and a half miles, completely under her own power. And as a matter of fact an entire mile she uh pedaled at 180 around 182 to 184 miles an hour the entire time for, for a mile to, to achieve that so it was really cool
4: that is cool so let's move on to the w series so uh sure, yeah you just made the first cut uh austria i believe yeah. wasn't it
7: yeah yeah in austria it was my first time over there and uh it was a really definitely a cool experience so i'm um, Happy to happy to be moving forward. But yep, I made the the first cut of the W series. It's uh, the first first ever of its kind, all female uh, single seater, completely funded uh, series. And um, 54 of the best, um, and really probably the only right because there's not that many female racing drivers. Um, 54 of the best uh, female racing talent went out to Austria through um, an application process and then was invited. Um, from the W Series, and we went out to essentially a three-day shootout. And um, I was one of the lucky ones to make it forward into the next round. So now it's narrowed down to 28 drivers, and we're going out to Spain for uh, a proper uh, Formula S3 chassis. Uh, it's a Tad- the new Tatis chassis. We're going to be doing a test in that car. So we're going to start integrating, obviously, the car, the open-wheel um, uh, single seater that will be driving or hope to be driving to make the grid of 18 funded spots.
3: Yeah, this is really fascinating. I mean, it, I mean, I think of it, not as an experiment is not the right word, but I, I mean, I guess it is in a way, but it, it's fascinating to see what's going to happen here. I, I think there's a lot of people rooting. And I know that some of the female drivers we've even talked to have been a little, you know, torn between, do I want to be racing against, you know, the best in the planet or, or the best women. And so how do you feel about that side of this?
7: Yeah, it's a, it's a valid uh, question and, and people have valid, you know, opinions about it. Um, I, what I'll tell you is coming back from the W series, uh, selection process, I can tell you firsthand the 18, excuse me, the 28 drivers selected to move forward. They are just as good, if not better than some of the best in the world right now. I mean, they're, The competition is unbelievably high. And this is terrible coming from somebody that is like outwardly a supporter of women in racing. I didn't realize that there were that many good girls out there, women, girls, whatever. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was so much raw talent. I didn't realize that there were so many cool girls, like versatile girls that bring, you know, excellence of, in driving, and then all these other bits and pieces of, of what makes a racing driver a racing driver. I mean, it was very competitive. So I am, you know, I was skeptical, of course, in the beginning as well. I heard about the W Series a year ago, and then about six months before they launched it, I still didn't believe it was actually going to happen, because frankly, I just didn't, I didn't think the funding was going to happen. Um and that's always the determining factor. Uh, I'm, you know, it's yeah. it's not necessarily that this is a a new idea. Like, let's you know do a funded female series. That's not necessarily a new idea, but nobody's been able to accomplish that up until the W series. And um, I think this is my my opinion on it. Is I think it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, I think that you will, these drivers, and hopefully myself, will have the opportunity to not have to worry about funding, not have to worry about when the next sponsorship, uh, sponsorship check is coming for this series. We, and we can solely focus on advancing ourselves as drivers and not just as drivers, but as marketing tools and um, human interest and our individual lives. Um, we have, if not some of the best, the best resources at our fingertips with the W Series. And it's one season, so the winner, like, let's just refer to it as, like, the winner, right? The winner of the series wins a substantial, you know, purse, if you will, to do whatever she would like with it, honestly. And, um, and then she has the opportunity to then go into some of the most successful, most competitive series anywhere in the world, and utilize that successful season and those resources that she was able to capitalize on. And then not just, it's not like, I don't think the W series is just going to leave you high and dry. I think they're going to help you be successful in that next endeavor. Um, you're more prepared leaving the W series than you would be not going to the W series. And that's why I think it's, it's, oh, uber that's critical a good point. that,
3: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
7: It's uber critical that um, women take, you know, take, the the advantage and the opportunity to, to do this while it's here because you, you hope as well that this continues for years and years and years. And the guys should be jealous.
3: <laughs> yeah, in a way, yeah, the guys are going, hey, wait a minute, there's yeah. we're yeah. something like, well, Shay, we are here at a time and we okay. love Very talking hey. to you. And we're so excited! for Oh, we'll you. touch base again. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely touch base with you again. I'm, we're, we've had several women on talking about the W series. We want to have you back on, especially as the season moves on. Oh, well, and, she's
4: gonna make this next cut. Yeah, exactly.
3: You know what? You hear me? I was already just assuming yeah. she's gonna <laughs> move on. So there you go. We're done.
4: All we're right, gonna get well, a Speed City sticker on the side of her car one day. There you go. <laughs> All
3: right. Well, Shay Holbrook, thank you for coming on Speed City again. And best of luck. And we'll talk to you soon.
4: Travel safe.
7: Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. You bet. All
3: right. Well, we're gonna go to break. When we come back. Rookie IndyCar driver Colton Herta with us next. You listen to Speed City, we're in Austin, back after these messages.
8: Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Celis, Austin's original craft brewery. Super Lap Battle USA
2: is coming to Circuit of the Americas this February. It's the ultimate Time Attack Challenge where top drivers compete for the fastest lap times in fully-tuned, track-built cars. February 16th and 17th brings Time Attack Racing to Coda's 3.4-mile track. There'll be Lone Star Drift ride-alongs, rally-ready and Lone Star Drift demonstrations, World Challenge TC America open testing, a car meet, and more. Family-friendly fun and free to attend. February 16th and 17th at Circuit
9: of the Americas. SuperLapBattleUSA.com There's joy in every journey. Top 1370.
1: Hi there, my name's Derek Bell. This is Speed City. Welcome
2: back
3: to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back, GearHeads. We're ecstatic for our next guest. One of the young, up-and-coming, famous names and successful uh, up to this point and really excited. We're going to see him here in Austin and want to welcome to the show Colton Hurta. Colton, welcome to Speed City.
0: Thank you for having me. How are you guys? We're great. How are you? I'm doing well.
3: Thanks. Well, I, first of all, I just want to start with congratulations on your career and I've been watching you and it's really amazing. And, And now with your step into IndyCar, uh, and the team you're with. This is, to me, this is one of the most fascinating stories in IndyCar this year, if not all of motorsports. The whole story behind you and the mm-hmm. ownership. I mean, he, your owner is barely older than you guys. This is a fascinating story.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite incredible, and I've known George for a while now, and I've I, I've known him since I was twelve, and he would have been fifteen. Um, hmm. 15, yeah, fifteen. So. It's been quite an incredible journey, and, and, and I can't wait
3: for it. Well, if anybody doesn't know the so Colton and is the team he's joining is uh, partially owned by the George he's talking to is George Steinbrenner, the George Michael Steinbrenner the fourth grandson of longtime Yankees owner George Steinbrenner, and but but talk about the whole team and 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 all you guys and how this all came together.
0: Yeah. So um, obviously. And of last year we were looking at our options what we could
3: do, um
0: if it was possible to step up into any car. Uh, and it and it looked really good. You know, there's, there's um a few options for me. Um but I saw I saw this one fit fit best, uh and it was with Mike Harding, uh, who's actually a, a a native in Indiana he runs a paving business but that, that paves parking lots. Um and, and re- he really got into the sport just from being a huge race fan, and his business was successful, so he started a race team. Uh, and he started it two years ago, I believe, but only ran the 500-mile races at Texas, Pocono, and Indy. And then last year, they did their first full season. Um, and, and it seemed fitting for us. We're a new team. Um, it's tough to go into a place like Andrade or Penske, uh, not that they'd want a bunch of rookies like us, but <laughs> yeah. but um yeah, it's it's tough to just just go in there. There's a lot of people, a lot of distractions, and um you know, I think I think George is really comfortable going with, with this team. Uh they're located right on Main Street. They got the beautiful facility in downtown Indiana, so um yeah, it it seemed great.
3: Yeah, I was reading the story so not only Mike Harding and and, and Steinbrenner, but a uh, veteran IndyCar official, Brian Barnhart, and two-time mm. Indianapolis winner, Al Unzer. Uh, yeah.
4: I mean, this is... He's well-armed.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> yeah. to me, I mean, I think I saw an article where somebody asked you about winning, what if you guys won the 500? Because I know you won the equivalent in Indy Lights last year, the Freedom 100, mm. which I I, re, I went back and re that, a little bit of that today, and that's amazing. But, but somebody said, if y'all won the 500, to me, that would be... An amazing story. This, all these young people, all these young rookie drivers, and put together that—that that would be. I mean, I mean that's got to be the dream, right?
0: Obviously, yeah. Um, as long as it's me winning it, and not my teammate. I
4: don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's yeah, always together. that garage uh, competition there. But yeah. It, well, you, uh, I, w- I got to step back. Daytona, how about that?
3: Yeah, that's right. The Rolex. That was
0: incredible. Yeah, that's what I was. I just have to say, is like, winning the Indy 500, I feel like it'd be more surreal than than winning that race. And that race was incredible. Um, it was it was a very difficult race at the end. Luckily, I was only in for for under the safety car for a lot of the time. It went green for like maybe half a lap, and everybody crashed, and then went back to safety car. So um, it wasn't super treacherous when I was in. um, because I never ran at full speed, but at the end there, Augusto Farkas, who was, is my teammate, who made the pass to win, um, he did an incredible job, and I'm surprised he kept it on the track the whole time, because it, it was terrible. We really, I, I really don't think we should have been running, but um, it went into our favor, so. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll take it. You'll take the win. I don't, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's part of endurance racing. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And to, we've got Tony Calderon. He's, he manages uh, race drivers and in Whack and other places, and now he's a big time movie producer with the Gentleman Driver. Oh, big time! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it truly Tony, <laughs> is awesome, yeah. Tony. I think that's part of endurance racing, right? I mean, that's how you. No, absolutely. And I, actually, I was there at Daytona. I was. Uh, I also
5: worked with Junkos Racing. I was running their strategy, and I oh, okay. th- the conditions were terrible. I mean, we went uh, red flag a couple times, and yeah, what Colton said, there was his restart where half of the GT field spun and crashed in the the tri oval. It was crazy. So no, uh, yeah, congrats. Because you guys did Thanks. an amazing job. I was following you guys, and it was really cool. And also, you know, we should mention that both Colton and his teammate uh, Pat Ower, they did, they made their debut at Sonoma last year, at the the last race of the of the year, after having an amazing battle as teammates as well at Andretti Racing in and Indy Lights. And uh, I mean, they were very impressive, both of them. And um, you know, just showing up as rookies in the last race of the year when everybody's yeah. already, you know, just fighting <laughs> for championships and. <laughs> You know, they've been driving all year. Uh, these guys did really good. And, you know, they're definitely, I think they're going to be pretty impressive this year.
3: I think this, this Thank is, you. this is, Colton, this is why this is, you guys are going to be this, this is a story, man. This is the IndyCar story for one of the big ones, anyway, for the year. I, I, I just think that's going to be fun to watch you guys. And I think everybody's going to be watching you. But hey, what about coming to Austin? You, you excited about that?
0: Super. I actually fly there next week. Um, for, for media day and we're gonna start to get it going spring for very excited about that. Um yeah, it's it's kind of a, a track that I've always wondered but I haven't been going, because um, I feel like it's one of the primary tracks in North America and Andy and Carter put on a great show there, but now that we're going there, it's super exciting. Uh I feel like the racing's gonna be incredible. Um and yeah. The main thing I'm I'm worried about is the tire wear. Um, I heard from the test that maybe there was signs of tire wear, not as bad as Sonoma, but similar to Sonoma. Um, and and yeah, maybe that that's going to be something to look out for setting up the car for the race. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe we get and it's not terrible.
3: Yeah, who knows? I saw uh, Coda was I didn't I didn't go out there, but I saw that they were doing a little repaving going on. I'm certain to just it was just some. Spot sections, it wasn't yeah, the, total uh, resurfacing. The 910
4: hump and yeah. the uh, exit of 18, that hump that's right there, I think both of those were getting leveled and then resurfaced in that area. So uh, I know MotoGP will be thrilled to have that this year.
3: Well, what do you envision that, any other circuit similar that you've been on that you might compare, Dakota? Uh,
0: that's a tough question. It's really, I, I've never been on it. But I want to say it's similar to kind of like Suzuka with the S section. Hmm. Um, yeah. Although it's still very different. It's hard. It's hard to explain. It's very unique track because it's, it's got such a fast flowing first sector, and then a lot of low speed in the last sector. Uh, you know, ninety degree, one hundred and eighty degree turns um, that you really have to stop, go, stop, go. Uh, So it really kind of tests the driver's skill because it has quite a bit of everything. Um, And I I can't really think of another track that's similar to it.
4: Derek Bell, uh, we just had on the rejoin there, when I was speaking to him after he got to drive around the track, he said there's parts of it that make him think of Spa without the trees. (laughs) And just the elevation that was going through and and the series of curves that uh, the way they were laid out, there were parts of it that he liked quite well.
0: Okay, I guess I could see that a little bit.
3: Well, Colton, I want to ask you about you know your career. You spent some time going to Europe, uh, mm-hmm. and I wondered, uh, were you chasing the Formula One dream? Did your dad want you to stay on the IndyCar path? Uh, how how was that?
0: I I always really wanted to race IndyCars. Um, I think that's just because that's what I grew up watching. I was my first race, IndyCar race, was in Long Beach at three weeks old. <laughs> um, in, in 2000 and, and yeah it's kind of i always grew up around indie car racing i'd never watched formula one until maybe 11 or 12 so i wasn't really a big f1 fan when i was young and growing up but um obviously it's really cool what those guys get to do the travel they get to do the the tech inside the cars and how quick those cars are right now in the hybrid era um but, yeah, I mean, I to answer your question, I went over to Europe uh, just to see what was going to happen. Uh, I wanted to, to, to learn as much as I could. That was the place to do it. I did 30, 33 races in one year um, and 30 test days. <laughs> so wow. I, I did a lot of driving,
3: yeah. um, and
0: that was the main reason why I went over there in the first place uh to to learn how to drive cars living on my own it kind of it matured me a lot so um yeah i mean the the initial idea was just get seat time um and not follow the f1 dream obviously it's hard to uh to disregard the, the f1 dream but um really in the back of my mind i, I always wanted to race indie cars um and, and yeah happy to happy to be doing
3: it we well, also did Pretty good. I think you were what third in the British Formula Four championship in fifteen and third in uh your Formula Open F three. So yeah, you you were pretty successful over there. But well yeah, and, and I kind of thought that more than likely with your family and, and growing up here, it was probably the IndyCar dream. And I mean that's great. I love it. And and I can't tell you how excited we are to have IndyCar in Austin. I think when uh, when the track was I mean, when even at the beginning, when we or before we knew what series were coming, we said it's got IndyCar's got to come here. You know, there's got this is just too perfect, and mm-hmm. now we've got it. And I think, we, I mean, the whole city's getting excited. I mean, I don't really know exactly what to expect, but but we're looking for maybe you know one of the biggest events, you know, outside of F1. You know, we've had some pretty big ones, and mm-hmm. but I think the city is getting fired up for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, they should be. I was there on a media advancement, uh, maybe a month ago, two months ago, and it seemed like everybody around the city was, was super excited for it. Um, did, did a lot of interviews with, with different people, and, and they seemed thrilled about IndyCar coming. Obviously, it's, it's a cool town because it's, it's young and it's hip and, and it's a college town. Um, I, and great food, great atmosphere, great nightlife. So, bring IndyCar there. It should be pretty cool. Uh, we have news playing as well, so it's going to be a pretty cool event. Hopefully we can kind of get some of these younger generation kids, uh, college kids to go and get into IndyCar racing.
4: Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things and uh, I was speaking to somebody else and I said, I really think Indy- this IndyCar race has the potential to rival attendees with uh, Formula One. It's it's been here forever. As far as you know, stateside, that's where the audience is, and uh, it's not something that you had to be hardcore. And we've got Tony Calderon sitting here with us. You didn't have to be hardcore to to follow it. It was available to us.
5: Yeah, and also let's not forget. I well, I personally think that the experience of going to an IndyCar race is way more fun than going to a Formula One race, simply because of the access you have. I mean, you know, the, you'll be able to. Walk the paddock as a fan, go say hi to Colton and all the other mm-hmm. IndyCar drivers, and see the cars and see the teams, and you know it's just a, just much cooler, uh, sort of behind the scenes experience. in F1, I mean, of course it's awesome. It's F1, but you you're just very removed. You you see the cars go by, and that's about it, right? So this will be more interactive, and I yeah, I really hope it's a huge event because I'm I'm bringing as many friends and family as I can, so. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, Colton Herder, we thank you for coming on Speed City. We're going to look for you when you're in town here in Austin for the uh, testing and, of course, the race, and uh, we want to wish you the best of the luck for the season.
4: I appreciate you coming on.
0: All right, right on. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All you
3: right.
4: too. Travel safe.
3: Talk to you soon. Another right. up and
4: coming. There you go. He said right
3: on. <laughs> he fit here with... Uh, All right, all All right, right, all right.
4: right. Knew where that was going.
3: (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with Tony. We're going to have the interviews that we've done that Jonathan did down at the Toyota Racing Series and get us caught up down there, speaking of getting seat time. So listen to Speed City. We're in Austin. Back up these messages.
8: Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas does it ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery.
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Top thirteen seventy.
0: This is Alex Gurney. This is
2: Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed
3: City. All right, if you're listening to us live while the Super Bowl was going on, we appreciate it. All you other people who are downloading it. Uh,
4: Put on like by a cereal company. What was breakfast for dinner?
3: What? <laughs> I will, uh, Super Bowl. I generally watch it. Other oh, commercials are awesome. And I mean, if the Cowboys are in, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. But you know, I I've, I just saw a news story a minute ago hit about we Austin. You know, we have to stop this. We have to stop it. And what I'm talking about is Apple announced they're going to bring how many millions of people, right. whatever. Yeah. And and then uh, Facebook announced like two weeks ago or three weeks ago that they were—they leased this entire building on spec. And it holds like 10,000 employees. And then Google announced like Friday that they had rented an entire 700,000 square foot building downtown to the next door to the one they already own. It's like, okay, the average speed on Mopac is what? 20 Six. miles an hour. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be five miles an hour by the time they, everybody just won't stop it anyway. I just, well, and, and Austin,
4: we don't.
5: Texas, baby. There Austin, you go. Texas, baby.
4: And you heard right. Colton saying it's a cool hip college town. I know. A it's a great too place hip. to be. I
3: know.
4: It is not. It's terrible here.
3: It's not. Just look at Les and I. It's it's not. All right. Okay. So. They've got
4: that little racetrack thing. That's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's right. It just makes it harder for us to get to the track during rush hour. Could y'all ah, stop it? Just, just stop it. All right, so we're going to talk about the Toyota Racing Series. Jonathan is down there. Uh, we, we're not going to get him live this week, but he sent us a couple of interviews. And I think we're going to plug this one in because this one where he, he gets the gets us up to speed on the whole series. And this guy, Liam Lawson, or Larson Lawson, I don't, I'll let Jonathan tell us, but young, another one of these young guys. And he's looking like the star coming out of this. We've got three Americans down there, and he's going to talk about those a little bit, too. But let's go ahead and hear from Jonathan down in New Zealand.
10: Thanks, guys. Yeah, we just finished round four of the series, the Castro Toyota Racing Series. And it was a really cracking weekend. Four races, pretty intense. And at the beginning of it, uh, Liam Lawson, um, 34 points, the difference between himself and Marcus Armstrong. But going out of this weekend, he's five points ahead. It's been a tough weekend. But, Liam, just what you wanted. Bit of bad luck as well for your rival uh, and teammate, uh, Marcus.
11: But a great weekend for you. Yeah, the weekend was 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 good. Uh, definitely didn't expect to be coming out of this weekend leading after what happened last weekend. But um, yeah, we had a fast car. Practice was difficult, but we really sorted it for Quali. Both Quali one and two managed to get the pole, which uh, was really really good. And then today's Quali just missed the tyre a little bit, um, and that put us on the back foot. So for race pace, car was even quicker than than what we had in Quali um, in terms of relative to the other guys. You know, the first race we had a really fast car. The second race again. couldn't quite get lucky um and then yeah this afternoon's race uh what can i say i mean we had the pace for for the front two absolutely easily um but just so difficult to pass wasn't worth taking a massive risk um esteban was certainly very aggressive so um yeah i stayed in behind i managed to get him on the on the restart and then from there we caught up to the front guys quite quickly so it's uh that we had good pace but we never really got a chance to, to use it so it's good to come away leading the championship um the main focus now is to hold that into manfield
10: three races to go can you do it because it would be quite exceptional 16 years of age you are a rookie
11: um but you don't you don't race like one <laughs> thank you yeah i know it's uh i i for me age is not doesn't it doesn't matter um, you know I've, I've had a, a really good season in Europe last year learned a lot um, you know obviously I wanted to do this last year I'm glad that I didn't I had a lot of time to prepare um, for, for a championship like this against guys like these really really experienced fast guys um, so even in the last four weeks I've learned so much um, I really enjoyed it so far absolutely we can win it it's uh, that's the main focus into the last round.
10: And there's two big prizes, of course, that every Kiwi wants to win the New Zealand Grand Prix, and I'm sure you've grown up like uh, Brendan Hartley and Bamber and anybody else wanting that race, but I suppose now it's the championship, rather, as the focus.
11: Yeah, for sure, you know, I'd love to win the Grand Prix. Um, that's why even, like, yesterday we won the won the race in the first race, and, you know, I was happy, but it's uh, for me it's not done until we, we, we finish this championship, so um, we'll, we'll do everything we can. Marcus has, has done this twice, this is his third season, obviously, so he's got a lot of experience. Um, I would love to to win the grand prix but more importantly the focus is on the championship for sure
10: and as you look ahead to the finale is marcus the biggest problem in your way or is there others
11: um he's the the one that we've got to focus on obviously he's the one that we're five points between um is only anyone really that can they can change things at the front um but there's a lot of other quick guys a lot of guys that have learned a lot throughout the season. You can see them get a lot quicker from other teams as well, um, not only from ours and, and then from our team as well. Obviously, Lucas has had a difficult season, but showing that he's got the pace, taking the pole today, um, he's always, he's always gonna be fast and he will be at Manfield. Um, so he's probably the other one. Well, Congratulations
10: on a great weekend again. Thanks.
11: Well, Marcus, it's gonna be a great championship between you and Liam.
10: It's been a great championship uh, and we roll on to the last round. You've been here before, but uh, how do you sum
12: up a weekend like Tapo? four races? I think it's strange, firstly, because in the free practice I was clearly the quickest. We arrived in Q1 and I, I struggled a lot, Q2 I struggled a lot, Race 1 I struggled a lot, Race 2 I struggled a lot, Race 3 was good, fastest by almost a second, and now today and, and the afternoon now, I, I, I won with, with, I wouldn't say ease, but I didn't have to push too hard to build a gap, whereas yesterday it was like, um, strange, yeah. And a tiny rocker uh, led to you going off uh, a smallest of pieces. Yes. I don't know what happened. Maybe I think it was just the, uh, the age the age of the bolts, or, mm. or someone mentioned. Um, but that is motorsport. Unfortunately, it, it ruins, well, as bad for us because it, it was obviously our race one result. And then the, the grid for race one forms race two. So we, we sort of had a double whammy of bads fortune there Um, but I don't believe it's I I think we can still take the title nevertheless I'd say going into the final
10: round three races five points between you and Liam and there's other people that will play a part but it's a place that you've been especially last year it's a place he hasn't so if there is an advantage to have it's the experience
12: yeah well I think I think we have a pace advantage in general and qualifying Um, and that's what matters at Manfield Last year we we led the entire Grand Prix, and, and then the engine went into safety mode on the safety car restart, so it was really disappointing to lose the championship there, and I've learned from my mistakes of last year 100%, and that's, I think, it's going to be really close, obviously, but I think we, we will, uh, we will finally close the TRS book. <laughs> Let's hope so. Get some rest. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.
4: All right, well, thanks, Jonathan. We appreciate the update, and... I'm a, I'm a little jealous of this little six-week work assignment he gets down there. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I did the finger air quotes.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jonathan's done the Toyota Racing Series. I don't know how many years. He has. Like 20 years or something. I don't and,
4: know. And, they, you know, that's another one. A lot of folks are really just figuring out... You heard Colton talking about having to go to Europe to get his experience. Uh, getting others to go down there to get a, a crammed-in racing season in five weeks. Tony, are, are, is that on your radar for some of your drivers? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had uh, a lot of my drivers go down there. It's a great...
3: Yeah, you had uh, Will Owen go down there, Will right? Owen,
5: Corey Anders, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Theo Bean, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple other guys over the years for sure. And uh, it's it, it's just a great uh, experience because they, they, it's a it's full season condensed into five or six weeks over the winter, so usually these guys will be just sitting around anyway. I'm well, yeah. saying around you know training, but but they wouldn't be on track for sure. Um so it's great. Um, just racecraft. Uh, it gets more competitive every year. And it, and you know, obviously there's also the economics involved. It's it's really great value well, that, that's, for it. For you know what it costs to race down there. It's at, for the type of cars and the type of racing, it's probably the best deal you can get anywhere in the world.
3: So well, I was thinking about Colton when he said I was thinking about Jonathan down there, and when he said he was in Europe, I was like, "Okay, if you don't have the resources that Colton has, then you go to the Toyota Racing Series." Because I know some of those guys don't go down there. I mean, well, what do you think the budget? Well, you've you know set it up for these guys. What's it cost for them to go down there? Um, it's if I remember
5: correctly, it's somewhere around a hundred and forty thousand dollars, something like that, for the full season, which is I think it's, it's uh, what five or six uh, weekends. Yeah. So yeah, when you break it down, compared to like you know similar type of cars, if you were doing something like. Um, Indy Lights or uh, yeah. Pro Mazda or whatever the Pro Mazda is called, uh, Pro Two Thousand. Yeah, um, it's probably you know it's thirty percent of what it would cost to do it, um, and because you're going, you know, racing every single weekend, it's a really good experience. Just drivers not only on track but also off track, you know, because you just, just got to stay focused nonstop for six weeks, and uh, and you're traveling and. You're, you know, by yourself in the other side of the world. So it, it really kind of sets you up to to continue your career wherever it is.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, you're, and you're totally isolated too. You're around the globe. You're 12-hour difference from every all your friends. So when you're there for six weeks or, or so, you are totally immersed, I guess. I mean, that's, I guess that's the idea.
5: Yeah, because you're, you're racing. I think the <coughs> testing starts every, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you get Monday, and Tuesday off, and then Wednesday you're traveling to the next track, and then you're there again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then every week like that. Wow. So yeah, it's um, it's and it's an incredible series. I'm a huge
4: supporter of it. Unfortunately, I don't have any drivers there this year, but we send them as often as we can. Okay, so sign up for uh, Tony Calderon at Speed Group. Get some <laughs> management, and he'll get you down there. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the Americans that are down there right now are Cameron Doss, Parker Locke, and Dev
3: Gore. And so we're following all those guys too. But hey, before we go, we just got about a minute left. I want to talk about did y'all see Connor Daly in a race of 500?
4: Back in the seat.
3: Yeah, I thought that was cool. And what was it? The, other, the only really big formula one story was, of course, the Sauber, now Alfa Romeo team.
4: Man. You're, you got your uh, nose I, turned. I'm. Right? I'm cautiously optimistic that Alfa Romeos, you know, market in the U.S., which I'm seeing Alfas all the time on the street. Cautiously optimistic that that is going to get Sauber back in uh, in serious competition again.
5: Well, and they they stepped
4: it up big time last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um,
5: I think they've done a great job, and yeah, like you said, they have good drivers. Um, they're really, I think, they were sort of the you know the quiet sort of most impressive story last year really more than anybody because they yeah, went from true. they went from being literally last on the grid to fighting for points which you know that's that's Amazing. a huge deal
3: yeah. yeah all right well we got to wrap it up and we appreciate you guys tuning in to Speed City here on Super Bowl Sunday don't forget to look for Tony's movie The Gentleman Driver check it out on Netflix around the globe we appreciate it Tony thanks for coming in studio thank you and we will talk to you guys next week
4: ciao y'all